What's going on everybody? This is Tanner from TamMBaseballFan.com and uh, I am coming to you from a very cold night on my nightly walk in Texas. Loving it here, but I'm kind of afraid I'm going to get rained on. So might have to, uh, might have to uh, pause this uh, puppy and then go inside and resume. But you won't know that because uh, the pause is pretty instantaneous. Uh, so before I get into uh, what we're going to be talking about tonight, I'd like to direct you to my uh, YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Tanman Baseball Fan. Uh, episode two of three dropped tonight, uh, chronicling my Jose Canseco collection. I did a 45 minute video or so of the customs that I've done over the past several years. So go check it out. But before you do that, check out this podcast here. I am uh, with Anthony, and Anthony is a Gary Carter super collector. Anthony, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. It's a lot colder here in Connecticut than it is in Texas. I can assure you that. Okay, let me ask you, what's, what's the temperature actually, over there? We're getting a frost tonight, so it's in the 30s. <laughs> and tomorrow, our high is 40 degrees, and it is raining, which okay. is better than snow. Okay, okay, so you win. Um, I'm like, <laughs> uh, I'm telling you, like, uh, okay, here. so here, here's, the, here's the situation right now. I've got my hoodie on. I've got my sweatpants on, but I've also got my flip-flops on. And uh, so uh, that's kind of how we that roll here. Right. It's uh, probably low 60s, high 50s, and it's like, Ooh. so, um, yeah. So I, I probably should not be complaining to you about the weather. <laughs> but um, anyway, so, uh, yeah, let's let's get into it here. Um, yeah, you've uh, we've known each other for, what, about a couple of years now? Is that right? I would say, yeah, I would say two to three years. And it's interesting. We've never actually spoken on the phone before. This is our first time talking on the phone or on whatever you want to call it for the podcast, but talking live, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, nice to finally meet you and talk to you in person rather than just like a, uh, a message yeah, it's, or a tweet. Well, it's funny. It's kind of strange because we've, uh, we started off, uh, uh, DMing each other and, uh, you know, that was probably started two or three years ago. And then we went into Facebook, but yeah, literally up until about what, 10, 15 minutes ago, we've probably never heard each other's voice. Uh, directed toward each other. No, for sure. Anyway, so, exactly. Uh, I think. Uh, yeah. So nice, nice, nice to uh, to hear your voice and to meet you as well. And you know, back obviously when we met, you were still super collecting Jose. So I would be watching a break and I would see something pulled. I think the first time I contacted you about a card was like a barrel or a knob that I saw pulled for like National Treasures, which I think you ended up getting at the time. So you know, I think it just kind of went from there. Obviously, part of the. Uh, the fun of helping another super collector find something for their collection, which, you know, obviously karma works that way as well. Cause I've had quite a few people over the years reach out to me and, you know, not looking for anything Just say, Hey, I just saw this thing pulled or I just saw this on Twitter, like Ryan Cracknell from Beckett even has led me to uh, a purchase of a bat now before. So, you know, you put, you put into the universe, what you get out of the universe. That's the way I see it. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, it's awesome. Like one of my favorite things ever was just the feeling that somebody actually had, uh, the uh, thought in their mind to come to me, uh, and to put out that effort. I mean, it's just like, it, it makes you feel good. You know what I mean? It's a, it, it's such a neat thing. And so, so, uh, yeah, let's, let's rewind that a second here. So you, um, you directed me to a, uh, a barrel or knob. Did you say I, it's been so long. I, I did. Huh. Yeah, that was one of the first times. Yeah, there's been a couple since then, but that was, I think, the first time that I actually, you know, reached out because, you know, you're not going to reach out to somebody if you see something pulled that 
is just, you know, numbered out of 50 that, you know, is probably going to pop up on eBay they're going to find. But when you're sitting there and you're watching a break on release day on that Breakers TV, which I think I was a slow work day, and I threw it on and was just listening to it. And I heard, and it's a bat knob, or they can take go. And I think, I don't know if we talked much before that, but I remember opening up the uh, the Twitter DM and shooting you a note. And you're like, oh my God, I got to get on it. That's reached awesome. out to the breaker who I think put you in touch with the uh, the owner and you ended up picking it up. How cool. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to go back into our history. Um to look see. at the very first, yeah. yeah the very see. first uh, DMs. That's cool, man. And, and you've been half an hour to scroll up there, but <laughs> Yeah, no joke. Yeah, but you've been you've been good to me over the years. You've uh, and I've tried to direct things over to you and, and you know, as the story goes in Facebook, uh you know, up until you know, not too long ago, and still I have a lot of people tagging me on things, which I'm very thankful for, but, uh, you know, before, like when I was still super collecting, it's like I would get tagged eight, nine, ten times, and now yeah. it looks like you are getting tagged, because every time I see a Gary Carter, I, I'm, I get excited, because I'm like, all right, I get to show Anthony, and nope, sure enough, somebody's already beat me to it, so I go, okay, forget it, he knows Yeah, now. people, people <laughs> like it. You know, it's almost like a spotter program, you know, like they, mobile does those first in Oakland mobile does those spotter programs where if they see you with the bumper sticker and, you know, you like to be, you like to have it on there. So people spot it. It's almost become like that. Like who could be the first one to tag somebody? And I always get mad too. If I see it now, I'll actually open the comments up. If there's a Kinseiko and be like, did someone tag him yet? And nine times out of 10, they did. If it's, if the post is more than four minutes old, I'd say, then, uh, right. <laughs> then you're probably not tagged. You're, you're probably tagged if it's more than three or four minutes old. But <laughs> if it's really fresh, sometimes you can get into it. But yeah, it's, it's cool that, you know, it's worked for me that way too. I think that the constant, um, posting, looking for things has kind of made my name a bit synonymous. It's definitely pretty neat. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and what I like about these groups, just to, to keep it going about the groups is I like that they're private. And every once in a while, some of these groups will change their privacy settings to public. And then I'll get a random, like, you know, either the wife will say something to me about it or, like, one of my friends that, like, doesn't really quite know that I'm as into it. And they'll be like, hey, did you find that Gary Carter baseball card you're looking for? And, you know, <laughs> you're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and they're like, oh, I saw a wanted poster that you put up. You must really want that card. And I'm like, Jesus, you only knew. Yeah. Oh yeah, you know I just do that stuff for fun. So just for fun, I'm, you know, not, I'm not really <laughs> into it or anything. <laughs> yeah, I think that you know being being married and having a kid obviously is a little bit different than uh, if I was like a, a younger single guy, you know, ten fifteen years ago, and uh, was like, you know, potentially had girls on Facebook that I was trying to date or you know, or looking at for that purpose, and then they see that kind of a thing. I think that's probably. Uh, will be a little more embarrassing than now, but you know, you kind of lose your shame after you hit your mid thirties and you settle down a bit. Well, well, hang on a second here. It's always been my sure. understanding that, uh, that chicks love baseball card collectors. Uh, is that not true anymore? I mean, uh, I feel like it's that way in the late eighties. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about now. So especially, uh, you know, men who are approaching middle age. So, Oh yeah. You know, that's uh, nothing, nothing is more sexy than a, middle-aged man collecting baseball cards but uh um, and even when they come in the mail you know it's like you make a little stack of what came and you kind of like i put it off to the side until i have time to go sort it and put it away in a closet where you know it's not going to be like out and about right good to have your own little area for that kind of thing well a little closet addiction and uh so uh (laughs) yeah so okay so this uh this conversation has kind of led me to have a couple uh 
couple questions here for you. Um, so number one, uh, you know, speaking of Facebook groups and stuff, how, how often do you, I'm just kind of curious because, um, uh, I know for me personally, and maybe it's just cause I'm not a super collector anymore. I don't do this, even though I do love Conseco cards still and other cards for sure. Um, but, uh, how often would you say, uh, that you actually like scroll through the Facebook groups. Do you do, do that pretty often or you just wait until you get tagged? A few times a day. I'll go on more often and see if I've been tagged. As far as scrolling, the problem with being in so many groups is there's a lot of monotonous posts. Like people will be in four groups and they'll post the same thing over and over and over. Yeah. And it's almost gotten to the point, I would say, where it, I wish Facebook figured out a way to differentiate or even like have not a separate login, but a way to like go into your just group feed and then go into this. I miss out on like childbirths and people losing parents and grandparents and things. And, you know, they could get mad and say, well, you never wish me condolences or never. There was a kid that I never congratulated um, for having a baby just because I never saw the post because these, these baseball card groups just consume your feed. Yes. And so, you know, sometimes you'll scroll and you know, if it's not a card that you're familiar with, especially when you super collect, I think you're kind of focused on just one thing. Yes. So if you see it's just a bunch of cards in a set that you know your player's not in, you kind of just buzz through it quick and then kind of look to find some of those things for friends and family and see, you know, what's going on out there in the world. But I, I'm sure you probably find the same thing. It's hard when there's that many groups that you're in just to filter through all the, the copious stuff that's put up there, which is why the keep it real group, I think does it the best in that they are so strict because they don't just let you, everybody post just a bazillion things. And some people just put up these worthless cards and the, how much is it worth post and all that stuff. I mean, <laughs> you know, it could be a little, a little bit tiring. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yes. But yeah, throughout the day, you know, on a work day, not, not as much on a work day, but on the weekend, you know, when you have time, you pop in. But it's, it's like you said, it's more looking to see if you've been uh, tagged in something because you get the little alert. Yeah, every now and then I'll get kind of, uh, um, I'll feel kind of a little jab in my side for not having been active. And I remember uh, this uh, 53 Tops Mantle uh, popped up on one of the groups and it sold for a good price. It was like a PSA 2 or something and PSA 2 or 3 and uh, it didn't have any bends or wrinkles in it. And I go... Oh man, yeah, I want that. And I look down and it says sold. I'm like, ah, oh. yeah. And it's like if if I didn't, you know, not look, you know, it's just it would have, it would have been mine if I was probably there like ten minutes earlier. And uh, yeah, that's rough. It's kind of unfortunate, but you know that's how it goes. And uh, you know, so yeah, the best deals go quick. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So and plus, I mean, you know, it's it's somewhat easier for somebody that's looking for like Gary Carter or Jose Canseco um, to wait and find uh, for a tag. But it's a far different deal once it's Mickey Mantle because everybody wants Mickey Mantle. I mean, shoot, if oh yeah, forgot correct it. me if I'm wrong, but uh, you know, I think if you weren't into Gary Carter, you'd probably be into Mickey Mantle, wouldn't you be? Yeah, I mean, it's probably out of my price range. You know, getting maybe maybe some of the cards that are like the the graded ones that show well, kind of you know some of the stuff that you've shown me in the past. Yeah, I think that would maybe be more my budget. I do have a pretty nice collection of, of reprinted Mickey Mantle stuff back when he when Tops had the license with him. Because um, to me, I don't really care as much. It's like looking at how the card was designed, um, especially that cool nineteen. I think it's fifty four, which was the upper deck Tops one that was never released because. For whatever reason, they didn't make a mantle back in, in 54. I don't remember exactly why. I don't know if there's like a dispute with Tops or something, but he was left out of that set. 
And so Upper Deck, I think, had the rights to Mantle, but they leased it out to Tops, and the two cards made the, this card together. Are you familiar with that card? It's got like a red background. Um, it's pretty interesting. Like it's a lost card of Mickey Mantle, and it, having that, and I have you know a good amount of the reprints when Tops put them out. So I like to look at those and think that they're real, but. It would be cool one day, you know, if I were to ever liquidate the Carters to maybe put them into like a nice grade 52 or 53 mantle. Well, yeah, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that. And hang on a second. Let me make sure we're still recording here. Um, hang on one second. Sure. Okay. I'm, uh, so I, I noticed when I looked at my phone, it, uh, it looked like it, uh, stopped for a few seconds i go oh, okay i got to make sure that we're, that we're still rolling here um <laughs> but uh anyways yeah so so like the uh the mantles it's funny you mentioned that because i literally picked up a 55 bowman mantle uh, a couple days ago and it was uh and i talked about it on the podcast here and i was talking about how tops was uh didn't have a 54 55 i think it was because of bowman i think you know, he had a license with bowman or something like that so um, oh, all right, maybe that is it. It's 55, the one with like the TV screen look with like the, the wooden border. Yes. Yeah, that's a cool card. Yeah, I really do like it. It's a, it's a, it's a neat card. Um, it's not something that I really want to uh, keep up with or you know keep that card myself. It's just I had some eBay bucks that were uh, expiring, so probably be some trade bait or probably just do it to flip or something. All right, there you go. So. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. Let me check this uh, this app one more time here. Um, it's doing some no problem. things. Uh, so I think we're. It's funny when you uh, when you ask me to be in a podcast. I kind of you know the first thought that goes in your head is uh, is like radio broadcasting. So I'm picturing you know did he make a little studio? Does he have you know professional recording equipment now in his off in his home office? You know like a nice microphone and some headphones. And then you're like, no, I take a walk around my block and talk on the phone. So. It's a different day and age, I guess, for broadcasting. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's totally different nowadays. Like this is it's so easy um, to do this, and uh, it's just one. Are you breaking up a little bit? Oh, okay, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, there you go. The the professionalism here is uh, <laughs> lacking a little bit, but um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's it's funny because I, I think this uh, this format is good because uh, and as I told you earlier, um, you know, I've been on numerous podcasts and. I almost had kind of like this nervous feeling of, you know, I got to prepare, I got to get ready, got to make sure that I uh, am on top of my game. And uh, right. so, yeah, I don't know, man, I started this and uh, it kind of changed things. So I was on the radio, uh, I think about a week ago on a sports talk show. And uh, it just, this kind of, this kind of changed me completely because, um, man, I, I was rolling out of a nap like five minutes before I was on the air, you know, <laughs> it was, uh, did you call in or did you go into the studio? Oh no, I called in, I called in and it was okay. a gotcha. live deal. And, uh, have you ever heard the, uh, the te- television show, the slap? I have not. Okay. It was, uh, or what about billions? Is it, is it local or national? Oh, it's national. Yeah. I mean, it's been off the air for years ago. Um, but, uh, yeah, that radio show, they had a, uh, um, an actress that was on there that was being interviewed after me and stuff, but, um, not that that really matters about anything. here. You were being interviewed about your collection or? Yeah. You know, I almost didn't really know, uh, what it was. They were just, uh, uh, it turned out that they wanted to know more about the book. And I think the hot spot was that brought in, uh, my wife into the, the text on the cover of the book so and they're like so what's uh, right. what's the story on that by the way so uh so that's kind of funny but 
Um, anyway, so all that to say, um, yeah, the next question I was going to ask you, and then after I ask you this next question, we're going to get hardcore into the Gary Carter stuff, I promise. But um, Sure. Uh, so this is kind of a question I think that's uh, going to be a, a broad brush for everybody that's listening. Um, so as a collector, um, I know how I was a couple years ago. Now it just doesn't matter to me. I'm, you know, like everything spilled over. But um, when uh, up until a couple years ago, like my collecting – Life was completely, totally, and utterly separate from, uh, you know, the rest of my real life. Like collecting was online. It was, you know, forums and groups and everything, and that was it. Um, so, how's that with you? Is, does everybody in, in your circles in real life do they know you collect and how serious it is? I for mean, you? the people that are my friends with that are into sports know that I that I collect. But I don't think they know. You know, they don't know the extent of it. I don't think many of them have. You know ever ever seen the uh the collection in person um or i've never spoke probably that in depth about it maybe some of my closer friends know a little bit just because you know at the bar i'll i'll bring it up probably checking my phone looking at something and be like hey what are you doing oh it's card related but it's <laughs> definitely a hundred percent hundred percent online hobby um i did do one transaction there's a gentleman that i met on on uh, twitter that lived like two towns up from me that had a card randomly had a card that i that i needed and we met up at a coffee shop a few towns over and did a cash deal and sat there and talked a little bit. And he, you know, sets up tables and does local shows and was trying to get me to come out to them. But I haven't been to a baseball card show since I was 13 and it was in White Plains, uh, New York. Wow. And I haven't been to a card shop probably since my 20s, maybe. Wow. And it was more like because people would go get comics and I would just come in with them. Um, but the only card I've bought in person since I was a teenager was this one card at a coffee shop. Every other card's been online. Okay. So, so this card in the coffee shop, you said you were a teenager when you bought it then? No, this was, uh, like a month ago. Oh, okay. Gotcha. The coffee shop just happened and the guy was on Twitter and he just happened to, I, I looked at his profile and I saw he lived a couple towns up and I'm like, Hey man, you want to just meet somewhere? And he's like, well, I actually work, you know, even a couple towns closer. And, you know, I think we live about a half an hour from each other. So. We just kind of found a rendezvous point that worked for us and uh and then you know sat there and you know he knew like some of the same people um you know some of the the bigger um you know car dealers or breakers and you know he's been to the national the last couple of years and real nice guy but you know he's he's a little more loud and proud <laughs> whereas i'm you know i was almost like looking around in the coffee shop like is anyone listening to what we're saying (laughs) (laughs) both you know coming up on 40 years old so you know it's 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 still definitely a uh a a hobby that i don't like fly the flag about and you know recently i just wrote a uh an article for beckett and i didn't put anything up like on facebook or my personal page you know promoting that i did it or touting about it i just kind of did it and you know I think I, I let my, my folks read the uh, the article, and the wife obviously read it when I first wrote it, but that's about the extent of how far it went. I did put something on Twitter, because I'm a little more out in the open with the card collecting on Twitter, but not on Facebook so much. And I don't use Instagram, really, so. Yeah, well, Facebook feels um, a little more personal, I think, because uh, the the demographic of Twitter, uh, first of all, a lot older um, there, and it's generally speaking you're going to be connected more with friends and family i think um yeah that's how it is with me like i know uh, several people on facebook like yeah my mom and my aunt and you know brother-in-law and uh, all those so it's like if i post a podcast on baseball cards 
and it's titled like, oh, how I love baseball cards so much and I just can't get enough of Jose Canseco. If I post that on Facebook, guess what's going to be talked about Thanksgiving dinner? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it's, a, right, right. it's something that all of your friends and family are going to know. So I completely understand that. But um, so as far as the, uh, uh, the meetup, the in-person meetup, you, was that almost kind of like a bucket list thing? Like, hey, I finally got a Gary Carter in person or how'd that feel? Not at all. Nope. nope. If it didn't happen, I wouldn't feel any different. It wasn't something that I was looking for. Um, in fact, I would have been fine with him just shipping it to me because I probably would have gotten it really quick. But right. <laughs> he was he's the one that brought it up to me. And, you know, I think it's with anything, not just baseball cards. But I think I sold an iPhone at the mall before, an old iPhone that I had because I got ripped off a couple of times on eBay. Um, just people being shady and, you know, keeping the phone or saying it was damaged and stuff. So I'm like, never sell a phone on eBay um, unless they have like the guarantee where they, they, they sell it for you. Um, you're just better off selling it in person. And we, we literally walked into the Apple store and um, they had like the little key so we could open it up or the little like um, thing that you put in the slot to get the SIM card out. And they put their SIM card in to make sure it worked and all that. And, you know, I think it's with anything, you're always nervous going to meet somebody that you don't really know. And, you know, there's cash involved. It's not really something that, that I, I try to do. Um, so, you know, it was just more of a get it done quick convenience kind of thing. So okay. but that's, that's the only time really since uh, the teenage years and, you know, getting back to the, the Facebook being personal or, or, you know, being loud and proud about it, being friends with you on Facebook, you know, beyond just being in, in some of the groups that you're in, you definitely seem to be a lot more comfortable with it. And sometimes I'll see a post that's very card related and be like, Oh, I'm surprised he's putting that up there. So, and I also noticed that I'll get friend requests from people or I'll see the, you know, I'll look at somebody's profile that I'm potentially going to trade or buy a card from. And I'll have one mutual friend and nine times out of 10, it's you. Um, and then I make a habit of not being friends with anybody. If people request me, I ignore it. I'll message with you. But I don't want you seeing pictures of my family or or anything personal like that or knowing anything about me. I'm a pretty private person. So, you know, to anyone that's listening that may have sent a friend request and it didn't get accepted, that's why. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I completely understand that. Uh, my wife has actually put a ban on me uh, posting to me pictures of uh, Atticus and Beckett. So... Um, huh. and I said, all right, I understand. She said, but I, love oh, really? them. I love them so much and just want to keep posting pictures. And she's like, no, come on. We don't, she's like, Tanner, you are friends on Facebook with 2,500 people. You don't know like a 10th of them. It's like, yeah, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they might yeah, be some bad folks. Sure. So yeah, I completely get it. Yeah. I, have, I know some people that won't put any pictures of their kids on social media. They said until they're old enough to make the decision, I'm not putting the pictures up. And I respect that. Yeah. And I understand it, you know. I, I, to me, it's if if you're not if you if you're friends with somebody that you're not really friends with in real life, probably shouldn't be friends with them on there. So I think Twitter is a very different beast than Facebook. Yeah, I feel like Facebook's for people you do care about, and sometimes I will go through and be like, well, I haven't talked to that person in ten years, and I don't know if they need to be you know getting a window into my life, and I'll you know once in a while I'll do a little trimming. So yeah, no, yeah. It, it makes sense. It makes complete sense. Um, so you know, I'll, I will share this. Going back to the uh, personal meat thing. Um, for me, it, I've almost had like this dream of meeting somebody in person for a Canseco card that was like super duper hot that I really, really wanted. Um, right. And I don't think it's happened yet. Like I, I literally don't think I've made a single in-person hmm. purchase of a Canseco card that was like meaningful. And, uh, you know, so I just have this like this dream of like, you know, me kind of 
driving up to somebody's house on on a sunny day and you know yeah, yeah here's this one of one that you've been looking forward to and oh yeah thanks and you know me uh grabbing it and then giving the cash and then driving back with uh with that one of one buckled in in the passenger seat uh and a uh, smile on my face and a smile on the card's face. I don't know. That sounds kind of weird, but, uh, but anyway, so, you know, just, just, uh, almost like a bucket list, uh, thing because everything is done online now. It's like, yeah, it really is. Like I assembled my entire collection. It sounds like you did too, uh, doing nothing but like transactions online. So, and it, that's good. Nonstop, um, stream of little yellow envelopes coming in the mail. Oh, for sure. So, okay. So, do you re, do you recycle those? Do you reuse them to to sell? Uh, I keep I keep enough to to you know be prepared in case I sell some stuff, but I throw a lot of them out. I don't save every one. I just don't have the storage for it. Same same goes with boxes. I mean, I have enough boxes to last me, you know, to sell a lot of things. But oh, at some yeah. point, you're just like, all right, I have enough now. So, yeah. but I do recycle everything. You know, it's against the law in in where I live not to. Uh, recycle so are you serious yeah you have to recycle wow i had no idea yeah yeah in some parts of the country it's a little more aggressive with the recycling so (laughs) you're really not supposed to do it (laughs) yeah i mean not that the police will come knock at your door but (laughs) we saw a cardboard box in the trash (laughs) yeah yeah no that's uh no we we recycle and uh but you know it's kind of funny it's just the thing that we're like Oh, okay. We're kind of good people because we do this, you know. But like, but it's a requirement up there. So uh, that's man, that's insane. Um, uh, yeah, the no, more uh, some of the more liberal, I would say, um, states definitely uh, you have to recycle. There's a lot more strict, um, you know, policies in place for recycling, and you can't throw batteries out. That's illegal. Things like that. You have to recycle batteries. Okay. Bring them to like a proper place to dispose of them. So. Okay, that makes sense. Um, so, okay, so let's uh, let's get into um, the main part of the show here the 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 Gary Carter collection. Um, I want to hear a little bit first of all. I mean, it's kind of kind of standard questions, really. Um, so uh, you've probably answered these a million and a half times, but I'd like to use them as a baseline anyway, just so everybody knows. Um, you know, tell sure. us like how you got started into collecting Gary Carter cards, why Gary Carter, um, what turned you on about him, uh, to you and, uh, just kind of everything. What was the, what was the Genesis story for you? I think it was because at the time the Mets were like the hot team. It was 1986. I was on the bus. I had a stack of old cards that my dad had, had probably bought either before I was born or right around the time I was born. So it was late seventies, early eighties cards, all tops. Had them in a big stack with a rubber band around them. And I remember bringing they were my, they had been in like one of the drawers in my uh, in my room. And I said I'm gonna take them to school. Some of the kids were into baseball cards. And I was on the bus coming home from school, and this one kid named Pete LaRose, who I haven't even talked to probably since that day, um, or around that time, he had uh, cards as well. And he he said he was a Yankee fan, I think. And he said, oh, you got a couple cards that I want. Um, like a Chris Chambliss and a few other cards, Ricky Henderson as a Yankee and some stuff like that. Um, you know, would you, uh, what do you want? Go through my cards and see what you want. And I'm flipping through his stack of cards. And it was a 1986 Topps All-Star Gary Carter card. It's a yellow bo- yellow block up top. Uh-huh, yep. um, All-Star. So I saw that and I knew who he was because, you know, we were watching the Mets a lot that season. Um, that was the year they won it all. 
And I was like, oh, my God, he's got a Gary Carter card. So in my mind, if I heard of him, and, you know, he's a big-name player, some of those Yankees hadn't, that I had hadn't been on the Yankees in a while, and the Yankees weren't very good in the mid-'80s. They were kind of the number two team in New York by a lot. Wow. Um, where the Mets, everybody was a household name. Oh, yeah, the Yankees hadn't been in the World Series since 80. They didn't even win that year. They hadn't won since 78. So they really, you know, by 86, they really didn't have a great team. Aside from a young Don Madden, there wasn't much really – not a ton going on. There's a few other good players too, but – they didn't have it. They just weren't that good. They weren't competing. Um, they didn't start competing again until the early to mid-90s. So uh, I saw Gary Carter, and I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, I can't believe he's got this. Like, There's no way he'll trade this. And I'm just like, take take whatever you want. And he took he – was, he was nice. He didn't overdo it. He took like two or three cards. And I got the Gary Carter card. And I went home, and I was like, oh, my God. I can't believe I got this card. And then it just kind of went from there. Then I started buying packs and kind of getting more into it. And then I got a second and a third and it started going to shows and stores. And then I used to get these, uh, these catalogs in the mail, the Kit Youngs and, and the Gary Walter, um, these just printed out, you know, two sided number two, um, times Roman font, you know, <laughs> with the entire list of cards. And I would just scroll through with my finger, Gary Carter circle, <laughs> Gary Carter circle. Then I would write a handwritten letter, and I think I still have some of these somewhere. Oh, my gosh. Dear Gary Walter, I would like the following cards. You know, 1990 score, Gary Carter, 10 cents. 1990 Don Ross, Gary Carter, 8 cents. Like, these cards were, you know, if they were a quarter, it was because it was an insert. Like, they were so cheap. And then I think I would I would give my mom the cash because I had to do uh, chores around the house to get the money. And she would write a check to Gary Walter because back then there were checks. <laughs> and it would probably take about four to six weeks by the time he got it. He sorted through the cards, and then he would put all the cards between two really thick stock pieces of cardboard taped together, and then he'd put them in a plain white envelope, a thick plain white envelope with his logo stamped on it, the Gary Walter baseball cards with a little, like, silhouette of a ball player, and I would get it in the mail, and I just remember, like, opening those up and being so excited. And I would get, like, you know, seven to ten cards at a clip, and then put them right in the binder in order. And, you know, it was like super, super pumped. So like a mail day back then was very different from, you know, a mail day now where you're getting these super expensive cards. But the excitement was, was exactly the same as a child. And I think, you know, it's that whole never growing up that keeps you kind of staying into it or getting back into it, really. Oh, my gosh. I love that so much. Like there's... Ah, for me, that's like just, uh, I, I'm getting all nostalgic here because uh, <laughs> I remember this. I, I don't remember Gary Walter. I remember Kit Young. I did the same thing. Um, yeah. And uh, and it's kind of mind-boggling to me to think how it was back then. Like, you imagine writing somebody, like, through the mail. Uh, yes, yeah. I would like this Gary Carter here. You know, and they're like, uh, what are you talking about? I sold that, like... 14 minutes after I posted it and I didn't get your yeah, your sure. letter until like four days later, you know, but, um, uh, it's, and so this is kind of something that I would challenge everybody that's listening to do right now is to pull out some base cards. And, uh, if you're a product of the eighties and nineties, um, pull out those base cards, try really hard to think about how it was back then, how excited you were to, get the 1989 Donruss, you know, Vince Coleman or whatever your player was, or the 88 Fleer, Tim Flannery. I don't know. You know, just <laughs> whoever you really loved, you know, really start thinking about that. And, uh, Anthony, I think you had, uh, mentioned something that was like really, uh, powerful that even though it was like a 10 cent card, there's real no difference as far as the feeling goes 
compared to what it is now. I mean, you can have like a $300 card come in you're super excited about, but back then, even like an 86 Tops All-Star Gary Carter, you know, that kind of did it. You know, it made your day. 100%. And, you know, I, I get just as excited these days when there's a new card that comes out with a picture that hasn't been used, you know, ever or not much. You know, it's kind of a little more obscure photo. I get pretty pumped. Like the one that they did in uh, this year's base where they had the Legends variation where it's a close-up of his mask. I was pretty pumped when I saw that. And, you know, oh, I've got yeah. some, some insiders. I've, I've made a few friends, we'll say, uh, on the inside. <laughs> and so a lot of times before a set comes out, someone will shoot me a picture of what it's going to look like. And I'm just like, oh, man. And, like, you know, they're like, do not tell anybody. We could get in big trouble. You could get in big trouble. And, you know, I'd never mention any of these names. But, you know, you, you get them. And I'm just like, ah, this is, this is amazing. No one else knows. And, and honestly, maybe two other people actually even care as much as me. And, you know. I'm sure they wouldn't say anything, but I still keep it to myself just because, you know, it's like nice to have that little sneak peek before the first one pops on eBay the night before a release. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And uh, it's so fun to be able to see the new cards. Like even now, even though I don't go after every single, you know, card and every single rainbow, I still pick up bare minimum the base cards. And uh, right, it's fun. It's like I remember... Uh, is Carter, by the way, well, actually, I'll tell you what, let me check to make sure we're still recording here. Hang on one sec. Okay, we're And good. while you do, I'll sing a song. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, please, go sing. No. <laughs> just, just to entertain. Well, the second portion of this show is actually going to be cardboard karaoke. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to riff and sing about baseball cards. <laughs> I, I can't sing, but I can beatbox, even though I'm terrible at it. Um, but Beckett is, like, wildly entertained when I do. Um but uh, so the uh, the the silver pack cards, you know, the uh, from Tops, they they put them out like uh, the '83 version for last year and '84 version this year. I do. Uh, I actually collect all the Yankees like that. Okay. Okay. So yeah, so is Car- is Carter in any of those? He was in. He wasn't in the silver packs. He was in last year's '83 design, like an '83 All Star. He wasn't in '84 design this year. Okay. Okay. So. I remember seeing McGuire last year and me being, me just saying, oh, please let there be a Kinseiko. It's so cool. And because, like, they're, the, the design's kind of like a mojo fractor, um, I think is what they're called. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, so for whenever you're collecting, like, just one of each or whatever, uh, you know, it, it's kind of important to have, like, the blue wave or the mojo fractor, like, just one of them or something at least. And so... Kinseiko wasn't in last year's, but the McGuire was. It was, it was cool. I never got one, though. But um, this year for the 84s, Jose is. And it's like, yeah. I oh, mean, nice. It was like a you know dollar card or something. But it's a pretty card. It's so nice looking. Yeah. I love the old school designs. I mean, my secondary collection is uh, a lot of Yankees and, like, you know, the old school 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s designs. Yes. Um, the most recent card I actually bought was, I think it was last night, it was a uh, 1984 All-Star CC Sabathia from this year's Tops Update autograph card, which, like, the first one went super low on eBay. I don't think I had, like, I hadn't looked, and then I just one day popped on and looked and, and saw that it had sold, like, a day before. So I wasn't really keeping up on it as hard. And then I'm like, oh, geez, now i got to check a little more often. So <laughs> one of them popped last night, and I... You know, it was a little more than I wanted to pay, but I pounced on it pretty quickly because in talking with, with Brent Williams, who opened up, uh, I want to say, like 100 cases of updates, he didn't hit a single one. 
Wow. And there's supposedly like some parallels. So even the base, CC didn't sign a lot of these. You know, there's maybe a handful of them. Um, Andy Pettit was the same last year. He only signed a handful of them. I ended up getting like a red variation. I never even could get the, the regular white bordered one. So when I saw the CC pop last night, I just jumped on it. But Yankees in old school designs are definitely my, my secondary. And then after that, there's really nothing. Okay. I don't collect any like regular base cards or any of the offset stuff that Topps does aside from like heritage and archives, the Yankees of that. And it's, you know, somewhat reasonable buy. Yeah. You know, and Topps has just been killing it. I mean, they're, yeah, I think it would be better if we had, uh, you know, some more competition that, that's licensed for sure, because that's just the nature of the beast. If you have competition, you're going to try harder. Um, but um, you know, in spite of that, in spite of them being the only ones that's licensed, I mean, oh man, they, they do such a good job with all of the stuff. That I agree. And, and, you know, I think there's, I can hear a lot of people out there already just kind of rolling their eyes like, oh, he's, he's just kind <laughs> of, you know, uh, he, he's just a, a lap dog for tops or whatever, you know, and it's not the case at all. I just, I truly admire what they come out with most of what they come out with there's some stuff that i don't admire <laughs> well i had an idea and i'll you know you can hear it first on you yeah, i may have even mentioned this to you but i'll mention it here on your podcast first as you know just throwing it out there and maybe this will catch a little bit of attention if we get you know some listeners i don't know what your listenership's like but hopefully it's uh in the triple digits not just double digits but for those listening, my idea that I've, I've brought this up to people that work at Tops and people that work at Panini, because I know people at both companies. And uh, the idea is, what if you guys, and you'd have to get the NFL and the MLB to agree to this, but did almost like a license exchange where you gave each other the rights for, say, two lines per year. So allow Tops to do, say, a flagship football and a heritage football, NFL license cards. So you'd be able to get a heritage design, which is one of the most popular sets. And the base design, which would just be the MLB flagship of that year with all the NFL players. And Panini could put their logo on it. They'd split in the revenue from it together. And then maybe Tops could allow Panini to uh, produce national treasures in one other set. I don't know, Prism or Don Russ. Not Don Russ because that's a different brand. But one of those with the actual um, MLB marks. So you'd be able to say Yankees instead of New York AL. And if they were to you know, do one, maybe two sets together for each just to give the fans what they want. Cause I do think for me, I used to collect football cards a little bit. I'm a Cowboys fan and I would get any of the Yank, any of the, like the Yankees, I get the old school designs. I would get any of the Cowboys that came out like that heritage archives, anything that they did inserts that looked like the old football design. Um, and they're not allowed to do that anymore. So to me, it makes sense for both to give each other at least a little something yes. and maybe share in those revenues. So who knows? I mean, if we're talking to North Korea, maybe uh, maybe Panini and Tops could shake hands and you know do what's right for the fans and give them you know a little bit of something extra special by teaming up together. Yeah. Could also pave the way for Mickey Mantle to have a Tops card. That that would be interesting. You know, it's uh, I remember you bringing this up like a week or two ago, and I thought it was a fantastic idea. Um, I I know that uh, like for uh, Prism, like you know how nuts I went over. Uh, uh, after uh, 2019 Panini Prism when the you know 28 parallels or whatever, and it's just phenomenal. I mean, I uh, just can't. <laughs> they did such a good job with that, and so and it's yeah, funny beautiful. also as, as just like a you know as, as an aside, it's like I see 28 parallels or whatever it is, and I'm thinking, man, why didn't they do like 
this design also and this color and yeah <laughs> there will never be enough but um but all that to say though like yeah i agree i think a licensed panini card like having uh prisms a licensed prism baseball card uh as well as national treasures i think it'd be awesome i remember doing some mock-ups for fun a few years ago of what like a chris bryant or mike trout or something like that uh national treasures card would look like with logos and oh man yeah it makes a difference it, it looks so nice if it sells good now just think of how good it would sell if it had the actual marks on it you know yeah because i think that's what hurts the value and you know you always hear when you're selling you always hear the buyer use it as leverage they'll say well I'm not giving you that much for that card. That's not even licensed. Doesn't even have the logos. Like it definitely is a sticking point for some fans. Yes. As a player collector, I don't really care as much. I will say it makes for some odd looking images, um, especially <laughs> where the where the jerseys are concerned because they look so plain. Um, and sometimes it's hard to tell which team your player's on. Um, but you know, yeah. For me, a working arrangement like that, and I think it'll be great for football fans too to have a Topps flagship, which was such a staple. And even the heritage set, which would be such a killer. And, you know, if they share in the revenue, I think it, it would only help the two. Yeah. No, I I agree. Um, a couple of my favorite cards that I have in my collection are from uh, Panini and Leaf. You know, it's, uh, it's uh, I think there's some there's some sets that they come out with that I just, you know, I don't give a rip about. I'm like, uh, yeah. But there's <laughs> yeah, some. I agree. There's some, though, they're just insane. And uh, as a matter of fact... Uh, like the uh, a bat barrel that I have, it's a uh, Panini Immaculate, and that's kind of one of the reasons why I was wondering um, if maybe that's the one that you led me to. Um, I actually got that back, and, and you know this because I already told you um, whenever I did. But um, you know, man, <laughs> I like how that looks in hand so much more than the license cards, the license bat barrel cards, uh, just because of the use of the gold hollow foil that they had, and you know, it just uh, really pops for me. It's just really really nice card but yeah panini uses really nice photography they have not all their sets are beautifully designed but i'd <laughs> say the majority of them are really beautifully designed there's some that you know are fun but i think maybe are geared more towards kids but they're high-end stuff like the national treasures and immaculate and flawless i think are beautifully designed and they have a lot of great merchandise that they use you know as their relics too and they know how to showcase it you know i feel like they of all companies take the time to make sure that like a Jersey patch is put in, in a way that it looks cool. And I'm sure some people don't agree. And, you know, they'll, they'll point out ones that, that don't look great that somehow slip past quality control. But a lot of the ones that I have, I just look at them like, man, they do such a cool job. Yeah. Well, and also like the thing is, you know, to go back to the licensing portion, um, one thing that's really cool um, that, that I noticed is, is the basketball cards that Panini puts out. Um, like, they're beautiful. I mean, they're incredible. Like, uh, I, I love yeah. the uh, um, the prism type basketball cards they put out, and also um, National Treasures. I think where they have like the the cleats, like with the laces and stuff. Like, oh, man, somebody just posted yeah, that on Twitter uh, today, and they're asking me what I thought of them. You know, because some some said ah, it's too gaudy or whatever, but you know, because the laces are popping out of the card and all this. But I'm like, man. NHL oh. does that too. It's like, oh, it's like for me, it's perfect. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> looks great. If only, yeah, if only it were in Seiko. But um, so uh, so yeah. Uh, now going back to the Gary Carter stuff here. Um, so you, you you told us about how you know you kind of got hooked as a child with that uh, 
a6 tops all star and then you know how you would buy some through mail order so so uh, take us through uh, more of your teenage years did you stick with it or was there ever time that you kind of stopped for a while and you know resumed later yeah I was my personality is when I get into something I get really into it so from 86 right up until when he retired I was really into it and the only cards I would say that I missed were cards I didn't know existed there really was I mean there was Beckett back then but there really wasn't like the internet where you really have like a true bible for a player collector like you could go on the Beckett website now put in your player and it lists every single card you know in in order of, of when they're produced um so there are a lot of oddball cards that I didn't know existed and just stuff I just never saw at the shows um and there were even like some OPG versions of things that I didn't know about or you know I wasn't quite the completist so I'd say when I stopped collecting in 93, which is the year after Gary retired, he retired in 92. So he still had some cards trickling into 93 from the 92 season, his last season with the Expos. Um, I probably had about maybe 70 to 75% of everything that was produced, missing some of the harder stuff and some things that just slipped through the cracks and kept them all in the binder. And, you know, as an adult, they moved around with me and I kept them like, in this little like TV cabinet under my TV VCR. I never really paid much mind to them. Maybe once every couple of years, I flip through and look at them and it would bring back some memories, but didn't collect from 93, any baseball cards um, with the exception of, I think 96 when the Yankees won the world series. I picked up a couple team sets, but nothing crazy. Never, never any autographs or any relics or anything like that. I was never really super into it. And then when he got diagnosed with cancer in 2011, that was when it kind of like hit me. I'm like, geez, like, you know, I can't believe my childhood hero is so sick. And, you know, I kind of went back and I, I looked through the cards and, and there was an online, there was a site that this other collector who was at the time, I think the number one Gary Carter collector, he had this site, which hasn't been updated since 2005 and hadn't been even at that point, obviously updated in six years, but it was year by year and it showed scans of all these cards and I'm looking through and then I had my binder and I'm, comparing and i'm like geez i'm missing some cards here i thought i had everything <laughs> and then i said well let me pop on ebay and then i start seeing all these things from the 2000s and i'm just like overwhelmed like you, you know when you haven't collected in that long you're just like geez where do i start i mean there's cheap cards and there's like expensive cards and there's autographs and pieces of jersey and things i couldn't even believe um and just kind of got back into it pretty hardcore and then i remember you know right as he right after he died literally that that night people were just listing like mad and just trying to you know, gouge people as best they could, you know, to take advantage of him dying. And, you know, it was morbid to me because they were putting rest in peace and all this stuff. But uh, at the same time, having been back into it for, you know, about seven or eight months at that point, I was just like a vacuum cleaner, you know, anything that I didn't have. I'm just <laughs> like, okay, okay, okay. And there was even stuff I missed out on. I remember one seller had like, it's Gary Carter week. And he listed all his cards and, you know, I picked up a ton of stuff, but at that at that time, I don't think I ever spent more than like forty or fifty on a card. If it was over that, I'm just like, I'm not spending that on a card. Even thirty dollars at that point, I would kind of like, you know, roll my eyes at and be like, they're crazy. Yeah, who so I missed out on a lot of high end stuff at that point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I missed out on what, what could have been a lot of high end if I had at that point, you know, realized I was going to get as, as into it as I ended up getting. Um, in, in the years that follow, but yeah, from '93 to 2011, collected nothing. Okay, so that's a yeah, that's a pretty good. Uh, uh, that's a that's a pretty good uh, gap there, and especially um, it's very similar to a lot of collectors I talk to. They all have stopped around the '92, '93, '94 
uh, time span. And uh, it's so funny because <laughs> that literally is when things start getting like crazy interesting, you know? Uh, so yeah. as collectors, when we come back like 10 years later after we uh, kind of settle into life, we get out of school and we get a job and that sort of thing. And we're looking and we're like, holy crap. This is amazing. Like it's yeah. like alien technology. They have pieces of jersey, hundred percent, in the car. Like or yeah, like even the uh, you know the ninety three finest, for instance. Like I remember, um, I have like a vague, very vague recollection of it in ninety three. Um, it, was, it was one of those things that I think the packs were selling at the time for I don't know if it was like ten or twenty bucks a pack. Um, it was just is wildly more expensive than I could even you know have ever have hoped for as a kid. And, uh, you know, interestingly enough, you find out nowadays that the, the refractor in the box is actually a different type of pack. So they could have just taken it, that pack out and <laughs> sold the rest of them. But, um, uh, you know, even the fact that there's like a refractor, the first refractor from 93, which is something I missed. I just, I don't even know if I knew what those were back when I was a kid. Um, and that was just the tip of the iceberg. You know, and here I am, of course, uh, I, I still go goo goo over these uh, incredible refractors, even if it's, it's like a dollar or two card, you know. But um, uh, so, um, but going back to uh, um, you coming back in at 2011, so it, the the trigger point was was when you found out that he is diagnosed with cancer. Um, if Correct. I'm hearing you right. So when did he pass away? I thought it was like I thought it was like February 20- 2012. Oh, it's 2012. Okay, I was thinking like 2000. Yeah, he was sick for about nine or he was sick for about nine or ten months. He well, he went pretty quickly. Wow. Um, but I didn't get back into it because I was trying to capitalize off it. I certainly wasn't thinking like, oh, he's going to die and I'm going to make money. It's very no. morbid thought that never crossed my mind. I actually thought he was going to um, survive, and I was hoping, praying he would survive. I, I sent him a letter, a card, you know, letting him know how much he meant to me and what a fan I was, and I'm sure a lot of people did as well, because um, I'd written to him back when he was still playing baseball. And a couple times, and he always would, you know, just send back an autographed um, postcard to me and, you know, self-addressed, self-addressed tamped envelope. He did that um, with the Giants, Dodgers, and Expos all three times. And I have them all still, um, you know, with my collection. But then I wrote, you know, I just wrote like a get well card and just put like a nice little message in there. And, you know, I don't know if he read it or not, but it was probably about five months before he passed. I sent it. Um, But I really was hoping and thinking that he was going to pull through and beat it. I thought... He still had a long career ahead of him being a manager because he was very, very into managing and had a good baseball mind as a lot of catchers do. And he had a lot of success um, in the minor leagues and the independent leagues, even won, you know, a few like championships. So it seemed to me like it was just a matter of time until the master somebody gave him a chance. But unfortunately, you know, he was taken from us. But yeah, I got back into it just because I think him being sick kind of like pulled back some, some, random childhood memories of collecting and, you know, making me realize maybe my own mortality. Yeah. Um, no, I can, I can completely understand that. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's really difficult whenever, uh, anybody that we know passes away, like, especially it's kind of funny, not ha ha funny, but kind of a, kind of a strange thing when somebody that you admire, that's a public figure that passes away, like they might not know who you are at all, but, uh, they've contributed so much in a positive manner to so many people's lives. Like Gary Carter, for instance. I mean, you know, you, you know, he he just didn't know like what he did for you, 
as a kid or whatever, you know, yet it's still there. So obviously, you know, it's going to be something that, you know, pulls on your heartstrings for sure. Um, you know, it's the same thing for me, even with some, uh, I mean, even with some actors, you know, or actresses that, uh, that I admire if they pass away or something, you know, it kind of hurts, you yeah, know? Absolutely. So, but they feel like, you know, somebody seeing them, you know, that much. So, well, you know, a lot of these people, they become household names. Like, uh, you know, in the past few years, the 1989 Oakland Athletics, um, that world champion team, uh, you know, we've lost a few players. Uh, Dave Henderson, Bob Welch, Tony Phillips. I mean, it's, a, it's like, man, it's like a, you know, a piece of your childhood is, is kind of dying when that happens, you know? So it's... Uh, yeah, for sure. It's sad. It sucks that people are, you know, trying to capitalize on it. I mean, I kind of get it. I mean, you know, I know they, they don't care about... You know, if, like, you're a Cardinals fan, you're probably not going to care a whole lot about Gary Carter or whatever and, and all that. But, uh, yeah, it's, and it seems like it always happens. Like, we've seen that with, uh, you know, who Oscar Suarez and uh, Roy Halladay, I think, and I don't know who else we've... Uh, yeah, I like when there's a moratorium put on selling a player right after they pass because people are more inclined to especially get autographs knowing the person can't sign anymore. And it's just, it, it definitely feels a little bit sleazy. Yeah. Um, not that eBay would ever stop it because they, they don't care, but you know. Yeah, it's. I feel like a self respecting um, seller isn't going to go pop in their price. Yeah, um, you know, I used to I used to sell some wrestling eight by tens from my WWE days. I had a mass a, a mountain of PR photos, and I had a lot of them that that were autographed, and they would just be sitting there on uh, on eBay, not doing anything, you know, auto relisting. And then suddenly, boom! I would notice like, oh wow, I just sold like six, you know, autographed test pictures, Andrew Martin test, and then ten minutes later. I get an alert from somebody test died and I'm like, Oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so people hear someone dies. The first thing they do is they jump on eBay to see what they can grab probably to resell. Cause why else would you buy six of them? Well, but I, they're thinking, you know, <laughs> I can make a few bucks off of these. Yeah. You know, I feel like, uh, um, did Bobby Doerr die the past year or two? Do you, re do you remember? I'm not sure. Okay. He was, he was a great through the mail signer. Like I've sent things to him a handful of times. Like just seems like a great guy. And I, you know, uh, I feel like he passed away, uh, not too long ago, but I mean, I think like also like, uh, James Earl Jones, he, he signs really well through the mail. Um, and so obviously he didn't pass away. Yet. He's still, he's still with us. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I always wonder like, if there are people that are going to abuse that and like say, Oh, you know, he's getting older. So let's, you know, send like, let's, let's take advantage of them. Yeah, for sure. Send 30 requests and all that. But, uh, you know, I have a few of them cause I made a couple, uh, Darth Vader customs and, you know, Atticus just <laughs> love, he just adores star Wars. And, uh, you know, interestingly enough, his voice is very close to James Earl Jones. Now he's got a super deep voice oh, nice. an octave deeper than mine. You know, it's nuts, but, um, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's fun to be able to have that autograph just so I can say, Hey, Atticus, take a look. Let's, uh, let's, I think the car companies do it as well. Really? I think the car companies will do it. Yeah. Because there's a lot of Duke Snyder autographs that are still floating about. Um, and I think tops loaded up on them and they were producing Gary Carter stickers for a long time and even doing redemption with these unnumbered autograph sticker cards that like, you know, if you got, 
a redemption that never got fulfilled, they would just flip you that Gary Carter card, and they must have burned through hundreds. And some of those cards, it, and these came out years after he died, some of these cards could go for like $10, $5, $10 on eBay right now because they're just flooded. They're not numbered, and they're just they're, they're worthless. So wow. they could have saved those stickers and just, you know, really said, we're only going to put out 10 a year. And those cards would have been worth Boku bucks because there's just not a lot of stickers, you know, being produced anymore. Everything's a cut check or just non-auto. Um, they could have done a lot of variations with those stickers. Unfortunately, it was like the silver stickers, not the clear ones, which I think the clear ones look a lot better. But they stockpiled and his penmanship on some of them was not as good as his penmanship in his heyday which makes me think they, they must have went to him, you know, as he was ailing and had him just sign a ton of stickers. Interesting. Yeah, I know exactly yeah. the stickers you're talking about. They were uh, the holographic kind of stickers to sign on were all the rage back in the early to mid-2000s and, you know, Donner stick yeah. too. Yeah, if you, and, like, hold them right, you could see tops and, and you know, like, yes. repeated over and over again on it. But, yeah, those ones. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's interesting how this uh, how this all happens and, it's kind of interesting also just how things have changed uh, in the autograph market where, uh, you know, not like, you know, that was the thing, right? Like back years ago was to get somebody's autograph. And, and even with Conseco, for instance, like his autographs, uh, you know, like 10 years ago would be like 30 40 $50 each for like just regular autographs. And nowadays, I mean, you know, there's sometimes you can pick them up for well under 10 you know, and it's just because uh, there's we'll so go to your local there. car wash and meet them. Yeah, yeah, that's I, I got to make a, a <laughs> pilgrimage over there uh, at some point to get the. I saw that. I the saw that the other day, and I thought of it. Yeah, man, that's I was a, like man. <laughs> well, it's it's cool that he's like. It, it seems like he's doing well. I mean, you know, we've always heard that you know over the last several years, oh, he's bankrupt and he's you know going under and this that and the other, and then now whammo, he's got a car wash, so it's pretty cool, but. uh I don't know exactly all the details. Maybe it's, you know, his name is so licensed. Funny, unrelated story. I, I'd say around 88, 89, my old man actually had a uh, an album that he kept in his nightstand of Jose Canseco baseball cards. That was his favorite baseball player. Really? He was a bodybuilder, and he liked them because he was very muscular and had a big physique, obviously. And, uh, yeah, that was his guy. He loved them. He thought well, he was cool, handsome, good with the ladies. He liked to be dated all those models and he just thought he was awesome. He thought he was, you know, James Dean cool without the cigarettes. So he had a, uh, a nice little album of Conseco cards. Nothing expensive, all based, I'm sure. But, like, I remember the studio one with the black and white where he's got, like, a bat over his shoulder. Yeah. You know, like, he just, he, he loved any of those, especially where he was, like, looking menacing. The more menacing, the better. How fun. I had no idea about that. That's great. Yeah. So. I'm sure he still has them somewhere, too. I'll have to ask him to dig them up. I'll send some pictures. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And so just to let you know also, we've got like a, a hard stop at an hour here before this thing stops uh, recording if we need to. That's we can... fine. It's uh, it's after 11.30 for me here on the East Coast, and my, my bedtime is calling soon, so <laughs> okay, no problem. Okay, and, and I'll tell you what, let me, let me check the time on this here real quick. Hang on one second. Actually, you know, this is... Uh, this is good because this is the last minute. So let me go ahead and click stop real quick here, and then I'm going to um, add a new segment so we can just kind of take our time a little bit to you know to wrap up here. So hang on one sec. Sure. Okay. So I think we're we're 
back and uh yeah i can't believe it. it looks like it was like right at an hour so we we literally stopped at like at 59 minutes and seven seconds or something um so and man i could gosh i i feel like we haven't even really gotten into anything it's kind of funny um because we've got so much more to talk about but i do know it's uh close to your bedtime there so uh you know try to try to wrap up here let's uh let, let's wrap up perhaps with uh if you can kind of give everybody um you know a little bit of a rundown of let's do a little let me throw a bunch of things at you here i guess um what's your favorite piece what piece are you looking for now um you know are you like what do you normally look through just uh you know kind of kind of just uh if you don't mind just kind of vomit out everything that you want to here favorite piece might have to be this uh it was a tops transcendent that's the set with the party right is it tops transcendent that has the party people yes. go to yeah that's the that they had a card a one-of-one card it was the only one it wasn't like a parallel or anything so it was a completely original card and it was a booklet with a cut auto and a piece of uh, jersey and it came out a little before christmas a year ago and just going through like kind of a weird time at that time but, uh, and uh, this card came out and probably oh, paid a little more than i should have for it but uh it, yeah yeah, man, it was, uh, it just like lifted my spirit from kind of being in, in a bad place. And, uh, it was awesome. And, and I still look at that and it brings back some good memories. And I've always been a huge fan of that 83, um, tops design. And so just, I don't know, the image selection, the way the booklet looks, the fact that it was in, I think like an $18,000, um, product. Yes. Um, you know, obviously that comes with invitations and, you know, one of one super fractors and things. Um, but it was cool. And just knowing it came from a cool set like that, it to me was like the most high end a car could possibly be. And so that one's probably the favorite as far as what looking for right now, it's kind of a, a, a lull a little bit right now. Cause no releases have really come out that he's a part of. Um, he's got some one-on-one cuts that likely will never even surface. So I don't know. I wouldn't say there's anything that that's a hot, thing that I'm after right now. There's a trade that's been talked about with a, a fellow collector for a while, but if that comes to fruition, that would be a, uh, a coup and that would be a, a cool pick me up, uh, before the holidays, but that's probably about it. Okay. Okay. And, uh, I do remember you telling me a little bit about this, uh, trade here and, uh, yeah, I think you can uh, agree with me. He seems like a really good guy. And, uh, yeah, oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it's it's neat to it's neat to be able to do trades with people that are just good people. You know what I mean? Like it, it makes all it the is. difference in the world. Yeah, there's there's a couple collectors, and there's one in particular that we text you know each other, and we're friends on you know personally friends on Facebook and everything. We cheer for each other when we get cards that the other one wants, and you know, good fella. And uh, yeah, we've we've gotten some good deals. We've given up stuff that was tough to give up, but. You know, we've scratched the itch for one another. And, you know, sometimes I think the most exciting part of getting a card is getting the card. You know, yes. there's the excitement of wanting it, coming in the mail and waiting those three or four days for it to come, opening it up, staring at it for a couple of days, and then it gets put away. And so when you can once in a while trade one of those cards that you haven't really looked at as much and appreciated as much for something that is maybe higher up on your, your list of wants, um, you get that fun feeling again of getting a card you want. And, you know, if you could repeat that process, giving up a card that you maybe haven't looked at and given, you know, as much attention to, 
I don't know. I feel like that trading sometimes instead of just buying could be a healthy way of collecting. Yeah, it, it definitely adds another dimension to collecting, I think, um, you know, for sure. So some of the, the best memories on certain cards can be attached to certain cards because of the journey of actually getting them, um, even when there's not even money involved. And so um, I'm completely tracked with you on that. Um, so I, you know, I know you got to you got to go. I'm trying to try to uh, ask a few more questions here. So the, the uh, next question I have for you that I think that everybody uh, will be interested in hearing as well is uh, every super collector and, and other collector otherwise also, I think we there's a balance that we have to find um, from appreciating what you have and feeling content and you know, feeling discontent because there's so much stuff out there that you still want to get. Um, how do you balance that? Where do you feel that you, like, what do you think tugs on you more? The, the contentment of what you have or the thrill of the hunt? Definitely the thrill of the hunt. You know, I like to compare it to like dating, you know, back when you're in the dating scene, it was that chase, you know, and uh, I don't know, you know, I, I would think that you probably experienced the same thing, but you know, there was that, that, that initial thrill, you had a good first date and you know, what's it going to be like when you have the first kiss and you know, other things obviously. So there's that, that certain thrill and that excitement that goes into the chase. And then sometimes once you have something, not that it's a letdown, but you're maybe not as interested or as excited. And, you know, of course, when you're married, it's a different situation. So you can't compare it to, to fully to dating, but just to use that dating analogy, um, you know, there's a certain contentment that I guess you you get, but you're still always looking for a little something else with, with collecting. Um, because I think if you just had what you had, and you'd probably stop, and then you'd maybe move on to something else, you know. Now, instead of collecting cards, I'm going to collect something else or do something else or find some other hobby or some other outlet. So it, the thrill of it is definitely very exciting I'd, I'd say and in order to keep myself focused a few years ago i went through literally every card that has ever been made on like a database and i went through and i said either i have it i want it or i don't have it and i don't want it and i basically color-coded and just crossed off all these cards that i said you know i don't want these 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 are one of ones that'll probably never show up and if they do who knows you know how much they'll go for so put those as stuff that would be nice to have. But these are the ones that are numbered where they're attainable and are cards that I would actually want. And I've actually narrowed it down to this point to about 87 cards, to which if I had those 87 cards, I would be content. And I'd be like, well, now I just get stuff as it comes out that interests me. So I think putting up guardrails and just going through and organizing yourself, it also helps you not buy duplicate cards that you already have, which I'm sure anyone with a large collection that's happened to you, you're like, Oh, I forgot. I even had that card. You know, you see it and sometimes you don't have a lot of time because it's reasonably priced. You know, you got to get on it relatively quick. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So being organized for me, it definitely helped me. And I, you know, realized you're not going to have everything. What's, what's the the cards that you really are after. And when you can micro focus on 80 something cards, you know, I think at that point you could, you could really just, kind of sit back and just wait as things pop up that you're interested in and not have to go crazy being on eBay and letting it consume your life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's uh, it's something that I know, and I, I literally was talking about this on my podcast a night or two 
ago about when I stopped super collecting. Um, one of the driving forces for it is I felt like I was already at the top and I had no interest in just keeping for the sake of keeping. Like the thrill of the hunt was 100% my drive, it seemed like. You know, what else can I get out there? And when I was just sitting there waiting for new cards to be produced, it was kind of a strange way to collect. And, uh, you know, granted, I, I you know, certainly didn't have everything. You know, it's, it's not possible. But um, I was at a point where I said, you know, it just kind of doesn't make sense. I, I'm, I'm not in a place with this collection in the way that it, it you know, was back then when I had everything uh, that I felt comfortable in keeping everything. So now, um, because I only have like the couple hundred or so meaningful cards, it's like I've noticed like a huge uh, change in my psyche when it comes to collecting altogether. Like I am way more content and I'm not like camping on eBay like I used to, which by the way, I was on that thing 24 seven. Like I, I wore the F5 key out, you know, it's just like refresh, 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 what's out there, you know? And, uh, you, you know, what we do as super collectors, it's, uh, it's addicting, you know, it's, it's the thrill hunt, but when you're not a super collector and you don't have like this hyper focus on something, it's almost like, uh, um, you know, it, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't really matter. But like when you do have that, that hyper focus, it's like, Okay, that's it. It's it's my mission in life. <laughs> so Yeah, you have you have FOMO, you know, you're going on vacation or you have a long drive, you're like, What did I miss out? Oh, we're hitting a rest stop. Let me see what's been listed because you know, unfortunately it could be very cutthroat. If something gets listed that, you know, is coveted, it's gone sometimes quick. And, you know, there's there's always gonna be other people that are that are also sitting there waiting for it and you know, they just happen to be on uh, on the app at the right time and they catch it, so Yep. Yeah, I mean, it would. It definitely would be freeing, I think, to be in a place where you're content with, with what you have and not, you know, constantly on the hunt. I feel like when there's new releases, maybe you're on a bit more. But when the new releases aren't coming, which we're getting into the season now, where you know it's the off season for baseball and the sets become a little more far few and in between. So this is a good little period to be able to catch your breath, recoup some funds, and get ready for uh, late January, early February when the 2020 stuff starts coming out. Yep, and it will, and it'll keep coming and not stop. And uh, yeah, doesn't you know, stop. And, and it's funny, it's for everybody out, out there that's listening, um, y'all. This is a real thing, okay? So when it comes to people that are like hardcore, serious collectors, like uh, like Anthony is here, um, you know. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, when you have a family vacation coming up, yeah, you, know, you got to believe that your eyes are on the checklist to see when things are, are dropping, right? Yeah, you're you're definitely aware of it. Um, I had a birthday a couple of years ago that was like we, we were up in a cabin and it like synced up with a uh, with a release. And you know, <laughs> I ended up, you know, I wasn't on the app that much, but it ended up being one of those vacations where it rained a bit. And you know, you're sitting there in the cabin, you're like, you know, checking your phone, and you end up getting an alert that a really rare card comes up, and then it becomes your mission trying to get it. So it, it can be, you know times when it takes away so i think that finding that right balance is important yep yep 2017 leaf q dropped uh uh when i was on a family trip to florida during thanksgiving uh, and uh i knew it you know i i remember picking up like i think i cleaned <laughs> out that entire release of one of ones and everything while i was on the trip if i remember correctly geez. um i was at legoland when um 
you know, that elephant patch card that I have that I always, you know, cry over because it's so beautiful and I love it and happy yeah. I still have it. Um, you know, that I bought that, uh, when I was walking around in Legoland, <laughs> you know, that's just kind of how it goes. Like you, you gotta have like, uh, you know, you gotta have some sort of understanding of course, like when, uh, cards drop, because when you come to a certain position in collecting, when you're like s seriously collecting, like you are, and like I was back then, um, <laughs> you know, you're not just going to check eBay arbitrarily like one day and go, Oh, okay. Uh, prism dropped huh i wonder if gary carter's yeah. in it no that's not how it works you know probably before panini knows that <laughs> gary carter's got some cards in there you know <laughs> for sure so you definitely you know when the checklist drops the first thing you do is scan and see all right what am, what am, what's in it and what do i want you know i don't go after everything but you know i make a list of what i want and then you know the other cards you know if something pops up and you get it at a reasonable price it's fine but Gotta set those guardrails. Yep, absolutely. And I know that uh, I'm very appreciative of you telling me whenever you see a, a Canseco, um, you know, that uh, on some of the breaks or if you uh, find on the checklist that's you know, the newest uh, release that's coming out that he's on there, I, you know, definitely thank you and hope that you continue to uh, tell me about him. And you know, certainly if I uh, you know hear of any other Gary Carters, I'm you know obviously going to tell you, but this point man like i think everybody else has got you covered <laughs> so yeah i appreciate it yeah um, but then again it's thinking like that to let things uh slip through the cracks so stay um, diligent everybody <laughs> yeah no joke yeah so y'all if you see gary carter you let him know you know just uh, don't assume that he already knows about it um that's right the only time that i won't tell you is if i see several people have already tagged you you know i just uh otherwise i'm like yeah hey Hey, listen to me. I know Unless it's the one of one, then I expect a, uh, a DM. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, everybody, check this out. <laughs> what are you doing, man? Why are you not on? Why are you not on Facebook or Twitter? You know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm messaging the the owner right now, asking him to take it down for a little bit, just so nobody knows here. So that way you can get first crack. Now. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So. Yeah, well, thank you for uh, for doing this. It's definitely been fun. It's been interesting. I hope you get some listeners. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. if yeah. you ever want to have me back, I'd be more than uh, glad to pop in and uh, and talk about whatever new releases coming out. I think it's a great idea. I mean, I think it's an, it's interesting that you can do all this kind of stuff right over your phone now instead of needing a studio. But uh, you know, it's a different world. Yeah, you know, I, I do think it makes sense for you to uh, come on again just because, like, we haven't really, uh, you know, scratched too much of the surface of, uh, of the anatomy of a super collector, how deep it is. But um, so, so we'll go ahead and end right now. But why don't you tell everybody how they can get in touch with you once they uh, realize that they need to part with their Gary Carter cards? Absolutely. You could email me at cartercollector at gmail.com. Okay. Perfect. And send send along whatever you got. If you got something that uh, is rare and interesting, definitely would like to check it out. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. So, uh, thank you everybody for listening. Um, you know, feel free to reach out if you want to be on the show or if you have any questions. Um, you can reach out to me as always at TanManBBFan on Twitter, uh, Facebook Tanner Jones, email TanManBaseballFanGmail.com. And uh, please, by the way, everybody, like, subscribe, share, you know the drill, do all that stuff. Uh, Anthony, uh, hang on for a second after I uh, end this and we'll uh, 
wrap up the conversation. But thank you again for and coming And buy Tanner's book. It makes a great Christmas present. <laughs> Say what now? Buy your book. makes a great Christmas present. Yes, and buy my book. So. It even fits in a stocking. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Thanks, man. Uh, All right, man. Thank you for having me. Take you, care. Absolutely. You too. Yeah.